just looked at that. <laughs> hey, it's coming, y'all. Stay with us, worship together. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we gather together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your
Amen. Romans 16, 25 says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. He is able. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you. And Lord, the reality is some of us come burdened for a variety of different things. God, my heart is burdened right now for a sweet couple in this church, Tim and Janie Potter. God, I couldn't even sing just a couple minutes ago just thinking about him and 
Lord, just praying for him for strength, God, just that he'll continue to trust in your word, but also just praying and lifting up Miss Janie as it's been a rough couple weeks for her as her health has declined and she's in the hospital again. And God, we know that you're able. We know that you're able to touch her body, to bring about healing. God, it's not, a, it's not about your ability. God, it's about your will. And until you clearly tell us otherwise, Father, we are just asking and trusting and praying that you would just work and perform a miracle, that you would heal her right now, strengthen them, God, we pray. You are able. And there may be other needs before us this morning as we worship and as we sing, and God, you know what they are. Maybe we don't, but you can meet those needs right now too because you are able. So we lay this at your feet. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. While you're still standing, will you welcome those around you? If you will return to your seats, you may be seated. There we go. Well, good morning. We are glad that you are here today to worship with us. Thankful that the rain, which was needed, has let up. And we didn't get soaked as much as we would have if we had come a couple hours earlier. So thankful for that. Well, good morning. If this is your first time with us to Northside, welcome. We are thrilled to have you. Uh, what a blessing that is. We just want to be um, a blessing to you, want to serve you in any way that we can. If this is your first time, we would appreciate you letting us know that. There's a couple ways you can do that. There's a QR code that you can scan in the bulletin or a connection card that you can fill out um, out there in the foyer. Um, lots of announcements that I want you to be aware of, especially over the next couple weeks this morning and Next week, Awana tonight. Our Awana schedule is a little bit different. It starts at 5 o'clock, so make note of that. We'll do the, the, the normal Awana night other than we have the Awana store. Um, and then at 6.30 is when we'll begin the award ceremony right here in the sanctuary. And so our kids have worked hard. And so I want to encourage you, um, our church folks who aren't uh, involved in Awana, 
maybe you're involved in Bible study, to come tonight at 6.30 just to encourage them and cheer them on as they're hiding God's Word in their heart. Next Sunday, May 7th, is Next Gen Sunday. That's going to look very different, our worship service. Our kids have been working really hard, praise makers. Um, they got a mini musical that they're going to perform. It's about 14, 15 minutes then our youth uh, praise team is going to lead us in worship. Um, Pastor Gary is going to bring a word and a charge as we think about next gen, just an encouragement and a blessing there. Our youth are teaching Sunday school next week. So listen, come support them, but pray for them this week. Lift them up multiple times. Those of you who teach, uh, those of you who don't teach because you're too scared, right? They're teaching. And so it's, it's a big deal. And so just pray for them. Uh, next Sunday night is our cake auction. That is always a lot of fun, and it supports our kids and our students going to camp, so you want to make note of that. Let me emphasize to our seniors, um, we did this right after I came. Coweta County Fairgrounds has this lunch. Uh, we want to take a group, but it's very important, in bold, you must sign up by May 7th. It can't be uh, afterwards you're going to say, hey, I'm coming. So seniors, if you want to go, we need you to sign up by May 7th, so please um, do that. There's a couple other announcements just to draw your attention to, uh, but one more. This Wednesday night, we begin our men's and women's Bible study for the month of May, so I want you to pay attention to that. <clears throat> All right, our praying the scripture for this morning comes out of James 1, 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So as you think about that verse, as the scriptures before your eyes, right, we want to be a people who in our worship services we're praying the scriptures. So would you just think through that verse and just pray and let the Spirit prompt you as you pray over this verse and then I'll pray for us. Father, this one verse teaches us so much. You are God, our Father. Thank you for being our Father. You're caring and you're kind and you're compassionate. And Father, sometimes the gift that you give us is the gift of discipline because we need correction. Your Father. God, there's no changing in you. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And oh God, how our hearts need that because we live in a world that changes anymore, it seems, by the day, if not by the hour. So much going on around us, and to know that every time we come into your presence, we will find the same God. Thank you for that. And you are a, a father who gives gifts to your children. So thank you for those gifts. Those gifts are many. They are varied so, Father, we just come this morning. We come humble. We come this morning wanting to submit and to surrender to your word, which is true. But we also come with confidence 
knowing that you are the God who is able, the Father who is good. And so we come just resting in your promises. Would you still our anxious heart and thoughts this morning? And Father, as we continue this series in stewardship, may you graciously just convict our hearts. And God, if we will not listen to that gracious conviction, then Father, will you press even harder upon our hearts so that we become men and women who recognize that you are God, but we are not. And everything that we have is a gift that has been entrusted to us. And that includes our treasure and our finances. So we bring it all before you. Help us to have faith in you, God, for who you are. And may we stand upon the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, would you stand? Let's worship together.
Amen, amen. Thank you, choir. All right, at this time, our children are going to make their way out to Children's Church. If everyone else, if you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. When you go to a doctor, he or she will often begin to poke and prod and press various places asking, does this hurt? And if you cry out in pain, one of two things has happened. Either the doctor pressed too hard without the right sensitivity, which is unlikely because they're trained and they probably stayed at a Holiday Inn, so that's <laughs> unlikely. More than likely, what happened is there's something wrong. And by pressing in that spot, you reacted, and the doctor probably says something like, hey, we better do some more tests. It's not supposed to hurt there. I think the same can be said when pastors preach on tithing or giving or financial stewardship. Some when these sermons are preached, begin to cry out in discomfort. Thankfully, I don't pastor a church like this, but some pastors probably get nasty letters and why are you preaching on those types of things? Stop meddling in, in my business. So one of two things has happened when, when somebody reacts that way. Either the pastor pressed too hard. Some pastors, maybe that's their personality. Listen, this morning, my intention as we work through this text is not to guilt you into giving or beat you up if you're not giving my intent is simply to work through this text to preach the scriptures <clears throat> i'm not even going to get into the fact that the bible talks about tithing giving this morning that's a given i'm just assuming you know that that the bible clearly teaches we are to give but what i want is for you and i to become people who give cheerfully so perhaps in a message like this the reason you're crying out or the reason you push back is because something's wrong. There's a heart issue. So my prayer this morning is that the great physician, Jesus Christ, would just speak truth into your life, would bring about conviction as he works in your heart. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 6 through 15, but I'm just going to read verses 6 through 8. So would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And as we work our way through these verses, there's five main points that I want you to notice. This is the Word of the Lord. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You may be seated. Just a brief context. Paul is taking up a collection for the poor Christians in Jerusalem. The church in Corinth has pledged to give to this offering. And so Paul's writing to them. Now think about this. This is Gentiles giving to Jewish Christians. Jews who became followers of Christ. 
Right? This is a beautiful picture of what we see in Ephesians where Christ has torn down that dividing wall of hostility. There's no longer Jew and Greek under Christ. We're all one. And so they're, they're giving to help out these poor Christians. And so Paul, in this letter, gives, in essence, a two-chapter discourse on giving. We're going to touch on one verse in chapter 8, but I want to encourage you this week just to spend some time in chapters 8 and 9. So let's work our way through this text. The first thing I want you to notice is the principle. The principle. Now before we really get into verse 6, which says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let me go to Galatians chapter 6. So if you have your copy of God's Word, turn there. Because in Galatians chapter 6, the principle is this. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Here it is. <clears throat> For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Right? If you sow wheat, you reap wheat. If you sow oats, you reap oats. If you're Johnny Appleseed and right, you sow, you reap, you sow apple seeds, you're going to reap apple trees. Right? You reap what you so, that's the principle. And he goes on to explain that here. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So he applies this spiritually. If you are sowing um, in your own flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you're sowing to the Spirit, then from that you'll reap eternal life. Let me give you two examples from the Old Testament. Proverbs 22, verse 8. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. The other end of that, Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So if you're sowing, you're giving to the poor, the Lord right, is going to repay him for his deed. So now we come back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Because Paul's point here isn't so much you reap what you sow, but you reap what you sow, therefore sow generously. Because look what he says. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully, this morning I'm going to use the word generously, will also reap bountifully. Now, I'm not a farmer. But planting time for a farmer always has to be an act of faith. I would imagine the farmer doesn't sow his seed sparingly, but rather sows his seed generously. He takes the seed and he buries it in the ground. He covers that seed with soil. He can't, she can't see a thing. And they just have to wait. And they have to wait. And they have to wait. And if they wait long enough, the harvest comes but it's an act of faith paul is teaching that giving should be generous again it's assumed you're going to give be generous that we are to be a people who give now hear me this giving requires faith this giving is countercultural. it goes against the culture's mindset and it goes against our human nature. Human nature would say, if I want to be rich, I need to keep as much as I can. Biblically, we're taught, if you want to be rich, you give generously. And the Lord blesses that. Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will be bursting with wine. 
Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. We read in the New Testament, it is uh, more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to sow bountifully than to sow sparingly. Now here's the deal. This is something that you have to be taught. And this requires the Spirit of God to do a work, a transformation in our hearts. Because in our human nature, we would prefer not to share. Just hang out with little kids for a little while. Those of you that have more than one child, you see this. They don't want to share. They're not like, hey there, Susie, why don't you take my toys? No, it's Johnny, this is mine, don't touch it. I'm not sharing. It's human nature to want to keep everything for ourselves. It's mine. So when it comes to giving, what are you going to do? Paul says when you give, when you sow, sow bountifully, sow generously. That's the principle. You reap what you sow, so sow generously. Give generously. That's the principle. Second, look at the practice. What does it look like to give generously? Well, a couple things I want to draw out of verse 7. Each one, each one. First of all, generous giving is personal. Each one. You, as an individual, must decide to give. It's personal. I'd also say it's private. This isn't actually one of the points, but we'll just add this in. It's private. You are not to announce, hey, I'm putting money in the offering plate. You don't announce that. It's why we don't publicly announce how much you give. We don't offer banquets for who gives the most money or the top 5% givers in the church. We don't do that because it's supposed to be a private, personal matter. So you must give. But let me add to that. If you are married... You and your spouse must give. And my prayer is that you and your spouse are on the same page in that. But here's what I know from either counseling or just from reading counselors. One of the key issues of conflict in marriage is finances. You're not on the same page when it comes to finances. You could have one person who doesn't want to spend any money, and the other person's like, that's fine, I'll spend all your money and mine. I'm good with it. You're not on the same page. And when it comes to giving, when it comes to tithing, if you're not on the same page, there's an issue there. And so if you are on the same page, praise the Lord. If you're not, just hear my heart for a moment. Look at your relationship. If one of you is, hey, I want to give, I would love to be able to give more, I want to be a generous giver, and that's not you, then I'm just praying the Spirit of God convicts you. Because that's where we all should be. Again, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just saying this is what the Scripture teaches. And it says each one. So giving is personal. Secondly, giving is intentional. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Decided means predetermined, intentional. We must choose deliberately to give. Listen, God deserves the first fruits, not the leftovers. Our giving must be intentional. 
I think one of the reasons that these sermons are so hard for us is the reality is if we really want to know the things that we love the most, all we have to do is pull up our bank account. Look at some of your statements. Look at how you spend your money. How you spend your money reveals the things that you love to do. Now, the reality is there's some things we spend money on that we don't love, but we have to do. It's probably wise to have some health insurance if you can afford it. It's probably wise to have auto insurance unless you're never going to get in a wreck. It's probably wise to have it. It's probably a good thing to pay your electric bill, your water bill. Those are some things, some necessities that we need to have. But the reality is we spend money on a lot of things that we love to do. And we have to be intentional. If we're going to give to the Lord, it can't be at the end of the month, okay, what's left, let's give that to the Lord, but let's be intentional. What are we going to give to the Lord? We must choose to give our money to the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's personal, it's intentional. Let me go back to chapter 8, verse 3, and give you this point. Giving is proportional. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Listen, we don't all make the same amount of money. Therefore, we all can't give the same amount of money. Giving is proportional. So when we take up a Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which, by the way, we got another $1,000 last week for Annie Armstrong. So we didn't go over the goal by $7. We went over by $1,007. Praise the Lord for that. But when we give to Annie Armstrong, I'm not saying everyone in this room must give $1,000. Some of you could give more than that. Some of you are like, Pastor, man, I can barely give $50. But things are tight right now. We've got these extra things coming in, medical bills, whatever it may be. So it is proportional. You give generously according to your means. And at times, you're even willing to go beyond your means because the need is great. And you're trusting that the Lord is going to make up for you stepping out in faith. So it's proportional. And then lastly, and this is the key, because this is what Paul says, giving is to be cheerful. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly. That deals with the inner attitude, meaning you don't give with regret. All right, let me write this check, put it in there. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I regret that. You don't give with resentment. Man, I'm so tired of the pastor doing the Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong offering, and I'm guilted into giving. And right, You don't give with resentment. You come next week to the cake auction, and you write that check to get that cake. You're not doing it with resentment. Why do these kids got to go to camp anyways? You, you give cheerfully. Listen, not reluctantly or under compulsion. This deals with outside pressure. In other words, I'm not going to guilt you into giving. If you don't show up for next week's cake auction, you won't get a card in the mail from me saying, why didn't you come, how dare you? I'm not going to force you to give. It's, you don't have to give to be a member of this church. In fact, I don't know who gives. I don't want to know that. I'm going to encourage you to give, but I don't want you giving under compulsion out of legalism or manipulation i want you to give to the kingdom of god because you delight in seeing the kingdom of god expanded you want to see the kingdom of god grow in advance god loves a cheerful giver i love this the greek word here is hilaros from which we get the word hilarious god loves delights in a hilarious giver 
That English word for hilarious, according to dictionary.com, means boisterously merry or cheerful. Boisterously dropping that check right in the box out there. You just delight in giving to the work and the kingdom of God. Spurgeon says this Greek word means giving with ease, spontaneity, freeness, pleasure. If you're struggling with with this, with, with understanding that God owns it all, including your finances and your giving, and, and you haven't learned this principle yet, can I just share something with you that those in this room who have learned will tell you? Learning to give is not only cheerful, but it's freeing. It's freeing. When you begin to live as if you don't have to fear losing your stuff or losing your possessions or living your life in such a way where this is mine and I've got to protect it. Like that's not freeing. That's being fearful and your joy just being sucked out of you because you're afraid you're going to lose it. When you begin to live as if this isn't mine to begin with and I want to see the kingdom of God advanced and I'm going to freely and cheerfully give, that is freeing. Don't live in fear of losing your treasure, but walk in the joy of giving your treasure away to help meet needs and spread the gospel. I'm quoting Spurgeon a lot this morning, but Spurgeon writes, One thing I know, that a cheerful giver always wishes that he could give ten times as much. I love that. You may say this morning, Pastor, we can't give what we would like to give. But would you like to give more? Like in your heart, God, intentional, I'm setting it, it's not leftovers, it's first fruits, but all we can give this month is $250. But oh Lord, I wish this could be $2,500. Like if I had the money, I would willingly just support the work in the kingdom of God. When we take up Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, man, I would give $5,000 if I could to support our missionaries. Cheerful givers always wish they could give more. So that's the practice. Now the promise, and this is so, so important. And I love when God orchestrates songs with the message when, when Brian and I don't even talk about it. And that's what he did this morning. Verse 8, and God is able. God is able. That's what the Bible teaches. You go back to Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Our God is able. Amen? He's able. Now, what makes someone a cheerful giver often depends on the way that they see God. So how do you view the God of the Bible, the God who is? When you look to God, who do you see? Do you see a demanding God, a killjoy of a God, always demanding, always taking? Or do you see a gracious, generous, loving Father who is always giving and always sharing? What do you see when you look to God? For he is able. 
Continuing in verse 8, notice the word all, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. I believe that abound in every good work is going back to cheerful giving. When we give cheerfully, God is able to provide all that we need so that we can continue to abound in the good work of seeing the gospel furthered and advanced. We continue, verse 9, as it is written, and he quotes here from Psalm 112, verse 9, as it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he, the he there is God, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He who supplies is God himself, and God will provide. He will continue to provide for his people. Now, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. Look, here's the reality. You can't outgive God. And when you choose to live a life of generous giving, our God will bless you and he will enrich you. You will have more by giving to the Lord. Now you say, wait a minute. That sounds a lot like the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. That if I give, I will get back. If I give, the Lord will bless me. But, but there's a difference. I think the prosperity gospel basically teaches um, you give to get. You sow that seed, that preacher's on TV, and man, if you just sow that $500 seed, he's promising you're going to get five times that amount. So you write that money that you don't have because you're believing some liar on TV. It's a, you give to get. That's a life of comfort, a life of convenience. So look what Paul says. You will be enriched in every way. Yes, God will bless you. He'll give you more than you already have if you give. Why? To be generous in every way. Hear me. You give to get so that you can give. That's very different than the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. You give, and in your giving, the Lord is going to bless you. He's going to give you more than you already have. Why? So you can say, whoa, more money for vacations, more money for this, and more money for that. No. Yes, enjoy those things, but he blesses you so that you now have more to what? Give away. You wanted to give $500 instead of $250 to support our missionaries. And so you stepped out in faith and gave $250. The Lord blesses you with a raise or whatever it may be so that the next time you can now give what you wanted to give the first time. Right? You give to get so that you can give more. I love what Tasker writes in his commentary. Where the generous spirit exists, God will provide the means by which it can be expressed. If you want to give generously, the Lord's going to reward that. He's going to bless that so that you can continue to give. Now, why do we give? Why do we ask you to give to the, to the work here at Northside Baptist Church? Why do we ask you to give to different offerings? Well, he deals with that here in our text. So look at the purpose, verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. The first thing we notice is that when you give, it supplies the needs of the saints. Our response to God's blessing is to share that blessing with others. 
Look at the early church. They shared their possessions. They didn't have the mentality that this is mine, but it was this is ours. You need a place to stay for a while? My home is open. You need an extra car for a while? My car can be your car, right? We're sharing. It's not mine. It's ours. Now, here's the problem. We live in America. We live in an individualistic culture. You go to some other countries like Ecuador, it's collective. It's a collective culture. You'll see multiple generations of people living in a teeny tiny little house. But they're, we're in this together. In America, it's individual. It's about me. And when it's about you, you isolate yourself from people around you. And when you isolate yourself from the people around you, you stop caring for those people. And we see that in the church today. We see in the church, right, the, 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 the reality of the world has come into the church, and if you isolate yourself from the body of Christ, then one, you're going to stop coming. Why are you here today? I pray you're here ultimately to worship Jesus, but I pray you're here today because we're family, and you like to be with family because you love these people. You want to sit around a table with them and open God's word, but also, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? If you isolate yourself, you stop caring about the people here. You stop coming. You stop giving. You stop fellowshipping. You stop being part of the body of Christ. But let me encourage you. Your mere presence and your giving to Northside makes a difference. It makes a difference. The church should do what the government has started to do. And once the government starts programs, you can't take those away from the people. But if you fall on hard times and you need temporary help, you shouldn't have to run to the government if the church is being the church. Now, the church can't take care of everybody, but if everybody's in a church, then guess what? Everybody's taken care of, aren't they? So we have responsibilities to help one another. Listen, some parents can't afford the $500 it costs to go to camp. And if you got multiple kids going, you can't afford that. So your coming to the cake auction relieves a burden off of their hearts and their shoulders so that their kids can go to camp, and maybe by being away from all the distractions, the Lord Jesus can get a hold of their hearts. Your giving matters. What you do here matters. So you meet the needs of the saints. Secondly, your giving brings glory to God. That's what he says as we continue in verse 12 for the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to god by their approval of this service they will glorify god they will glorify god god gets the glory in your giving why because the giver always gets the glory the giver always gets the glory it's why your giving should be private it's why i don't know how much you give and don't want to know how much you give it's why you don't announce how much you give. Because if you begin to announce, this is how much I'm giving, who gets the glory? You. And we don't want you to get the glory. We want God to get all the glory for our generous giving. And then your giving spreads the gospel of Christ. This verse, I think more than any of the verses, just stuck out to me this week. Verse 13. By their approval of this service... They will glorify God. Why? Because of your submission that comes from your confession 
of the gospel of Christ. Let me, let me give you a statement I wrote down this week. Your confession of Christ ought to lead to your submission to Christ, which leads to the proclamation of the gospel and the spread of the gospel. Another reason we give is because the gospel of Jesus Christ is advanced. If your confession is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, then your life ought to look like that. And if you say, Jesus, your Lord and Savior of my life, that also means he's Lord and Savior of your finances. Therefore, you want to submit your finances to the Lord. And if you're submitted to Christ, guess what that means? You're going to proclaim Christ. You're going to share Christ. You're going to pass on that good news that has changed your life. So if you confess Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of God, then is your life in alignment with that? And if there's an area that is not, then just say, Jesus, convict me and change me so that all of me looks like your son. And then the last thing that I want to draw your attention to before we close, and please listen, is verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, that could refer to a couple things. It could refer to their generosity and their giving, which could be beyond their means, possibly, but I don't think Paul would use the word indescribable. That Greek word also means um, inexpressible or, or beyond words indescribable. I don't think that's what he's referring to. I think the inexpressible, indescribable, beyond words that he's giving God the glory for is Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Go back to verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God calls us to generous giving, not to give sparingly. The word sparingly means you have a desire to hold back. Maybe you're watching a movie and a guy's getting ready to be killed and he says, spare my life. Don't take my life. Let me keep it. God calls us to generous giving. Why? Listen to Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Listen, everything comes back to the gospel. God did not spare. He did not hold back his son, Jesus Christ, but he shared him. He gave his only begotten son. And so you won't truly start giving generously until you understand God's indescribable, inexpressible gift that he's given to you in Jesus Christ. And when you begin to realize that, you're going to begin to give generously. You're going to begin to give sacrificially. You're going to begin to give cheerfully. Let me quote Spurgeon one more time, because Spurgeon had a way with words. God took us up when we were naked, for so we came into this world. He who took us up when we were more than naked, filthy and defiled, for so we became through our sin and through our original depravity. He took us from off the dunghill, yes, from out of the fire itself, and made us what we are wrapped us about with his righteousness and gave us of his mercy. He deserves all and more than all that we can give him. You were bought with a price. You 
you're not your own. You belong to God. And if your confession is Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of God, then our desire is that everything comes under that. So, old church, as the people of God, we don't hold back, but we share, we give our treasure, we give our talent, and we give our time. Some of you in this room, you've learned to give cheerfully, you give generously, you have the means, the Lord's blessed you, and you just continue to do it. Praise the Lord. But for some of us in this room, maybe for some of you, you're struggling with giving. So you say, Pastor, what do I do? I'm not giving cheerfully. Does that mean I stop giving? No. Doesn't, that's not what it means. So let me just, if that's you, if you would just say in your heart, Pastor, I'm struggling to give cheerfully. Uh, there's a lot of other things. Man, I know how much money I should be giving, and man, what am I, I could be doing other things with that money, so, so what do I do? Let me just kind of walk you through quickly a couple of things. Number one, confess. Right now where you are, if that's you, and I'm not asking you to raise your hands, that's you, just confess the sin of joylessness in your giving. Just right now. Confess that sin. Now listen, that may not be your sin, but you've got another sin. You're not off the hook this morning. Confess that sin. Whatever that is, confess the sin to the Lord. Acknowledge the coldness of your heart. Secondly, pray fervently that God would restore the joy of obedience. Pray fervently, God, give me the faith and the trust in your promises that you're able, that you'll provide for me. Give me that passion. Third, go ahead and start giving. Begin to do the outward duty of giving, knowing that he will change your heart and he will bring about that cheerful joy, that hilarious joy of giving. And then fourth, when you start sowing bountifully, and then you begin to reap bountifully, go ahead right now and commit to the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, when you begin to bless, when you begin to increase in my life, I want to be ready now to start giving more and more. There's needs that I would like to meet that I can't meet. But man, once that added income starts coming in, Lord, help me to be faithful to start meeting those needs. Help me to start being faithful. Let me close with this. Let us be a people who lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Let us be a people who can echo the words of Jim Elliott, a missionary to Ecuador who was killed, who said these words, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You understand this morning that millions and millions of people, maybe family, maybe coworkers, think you are an absolute fool. They think you and I are absolutely foolish that you would come here on a Sunday morning, that you wouldn't sleep in later, that you wouldn't use one of your days off to go out, do something fun, like you wouldn't come serve Jesus. You're a fool. That they think that you and I are fools that we actually give to a church, to support pastors and ministries, that you're a fool, that you actually give, you're hard-earned, you work for that money, and you're just giving it away. You're foolish. They think that you and I are fools, that we believe that this is the word of God, that will stand upon this word, and we're willing to die for the truth of Jesus Christ. They think you're fools. But hear what Jim Elliott said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
all the stuff that you have. At some point, we're going to gather for your funeral or your memorial, and none of it's going with you. Yes, you may be able to leave some of it behind, and it may help your family in that moment, but all the stuff that you've compiled and earned, you're going to lose it anyways. You are no fool to lose that which you cannot keep. But what does he say? But you are not a fool for you to gain that which you cannot lose. There's something, an inheritance, that is coming for us in Jesus Christ that no one can take away from you. The the, the treasures that you store up in heaven right now, the treasures, the money that you give, the prayers that you offer, that you and I have no idea how God is doing that. It's for His glory. We have sent multiple, at least two teams, multiple people have gone to Ecuador in the last two years. We had a team of folks go at the beginning of this year. They did work in Caballol, an unreached people group of the, among the Afro-Ecuadorians. And this morning, Lord willing, as long as it still happened, one of those ladies in Caballol is getting baptized this morning. They, praise the Lord for that. That's worth it. That's our giving. That's our fundraisers. That's people being willing to go. Now listen, there is a lot more work that needs to be done among the Afro-Ecuadorian people. But brothers and sisters, I know of at least one young lady in Caballol because of our sacrifice and our faithfulness who will be with us in glory who maybe never would have been there if the people from Northside Baptist Church didn't go. What better thing can we give our lives to than that? And if you're involved in giving, praise the Lord, keep giving. But if you're not, would you step out in faith this morning and just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I want to be part of what you're doing to build and advance the kingdom of God. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, every good gift that we have this morning, from the person sitting next to us, to the car that we drove here in, to the house that we will go home to, to the very clothes on our body, Every gift comes from you. Or the question this morning from my heart, just from my heart, God, is what am I going to do with those gifts that you've given me? Will I leverage my treasures and my time and my talents to advance the kingdom of God? So that more and more people who are lost and don't know Jesus will come to know Christ. God, this morning walking in, I saw it in, my, in one of my brother's faces. The anguish for his lost family and for an unbelieving person at work. Oh God, my prayers, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Would you break our hearts for the fact that we have millions and millions of people right now who think what we're doing is foolish but we know that your word is true and according to your word all who reject you will spend an eternity in hell oh god lives are at stake here eternity is at stake here we will forever be living our lives magnifying the name of jesus because of your grace and your mercy and there are millions who will be separated from you jesus because they have either never heard or they have rejected the gospel Oh God, we must go to them. We must pray for them. We must be willing to give to see the gospel furthered and advanced. So Father, help us. Lead us to the place 
where we can give cheerfully. And if even if we're not there this morning, lead us to the place where we will give obediently, trusting that you'll bring about that joy in our hearts. For your glory and your honor, we pray. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to stand. We're just going to worship together. You respond as the Spirit leads. If I 
join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory, with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, and my soul Amen. Amen. If you'll just remain standing, just a reminder, please pay attention to the announcements in the bulletin. Don't forget about our Awana uh, schedule um, this evening, and just please continue just to lift up the potters uh, to you um, in prayer as, as Janie's health has declined quite a bit in the last two weeks, um, and so they're in the hospital currently, and so just lift them up in prayer, just praying for God's will to be done. Um, he's able to heal um, but just that they'll know that our church family is praying for them. It's been a hard, long year, um, and we thought she was improving, and in the last couple weeks, don't really know what's going on, but it's just been a decline. So just lift them up in prayer. Bill Bailey is the deacon of the week. He's over here, so if you'll come, end our service with prayer. Let's bow together. Thank you, our gracious, most gracious God in heaven, how good you are and how your ear is open, and how the door is open to all who will call upon your name. Your promises are so good and true. Dear Lord, but help people find the door. Father, the door is Christ. You have given everything. You gave your blood for our sins. Father, help us to rejoice in that, to be thankful in that, to be cheerful in that, and all the things that your word asks of us. Because you are so worthy to receive all the praise and honor. Give us uh, of our strength and, Father, a direction in our heart. We'll bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.